Praise the Lord, he lives. Amen? Well, we just got done celebrating a whole day on that. And boy, I tell you, as believers, I'm sure we celebrate that. I trust you do. Uh, I know I do. On a regular, everyday basis, we're grateful, reminding, reminded, being reminded of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen? It's good stuff. All right, let's go ahead and um, turn our Bibles, if you would, to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. We're going to begin in verse 6. Just take a look at a couple of verses here, and then we'll go from there. Romans chapter 6. Well, we got our couples, or our, our, our marriage uh, retreat coming up, and boy, that's, uh, that's, that's, that's big. And so that'll be this weekend, and you'll be praying about all of that, and trust that the Lord will meet needs there along the way. And uh, it's always a um, great opportunity for couples to uh, not only get away, but to uh, be reminded of the need to uh, work at their marriage. And so we'll be uh, looking forward to that opportunity this uh, weekend. A little bit different than normal. I'll be uh, speaking there, and that may or may not uh, in, you know, uh, excite you. But either way, it is how it is. And... Uh, I can honestly tell you this, I think in, in 24 years of, um, uh, 24 years of uh, pastoring Community Baptist Temple, I, uh, I preached at one fellowship, and now I'm doing this. Okay, so there's a reason why I'm doing this. Uh, I'm confident the Lord wants me to. Uh, I wouldn't do it. Um, it's one of those things that Someone says, oh, obviously we didn't get a speaker. Obviously, no, no, you have the speaker that God wants for us this time. You may not know that yet, but I already know that. Because I don't do this, okay? This is not me. That's not my M.O. You know, I don't go around, uh, although I don't think it's wrong. I'll be honest with you. Some of you young guys, let me tell you something. If you want to preach at a big conference, then throw one and preach at it. I'm not opposed to doing that. I, I, I've always told people that they ought to do that. I get, you know, I mean, will you want to you preach at a tent meeting? Have a tent meeting. You know, I mean, what's wrong with that? You know, whatever, ha- what, what's wrong? Well, oh, you're so arrogant. You're so prideful. You want to preach at your own tent meeting. Well, don't you want to preach all the time when you're a preacher? I mean, what's wrong with wanting to preach? That's a good thing. And so some of you young guys need to go out and build a big church if you want to preach in big churches. Pretty simple, isn't it? Build a big church and you'll preach in one. Every week you'll get to do that. That's a blessing. So, nonetheless, I'm just saying, I mean, I, I, I'm really looking forward to this in one sense, and trust me, I'm not in the other. And uh, so you pray for me, too. I mean that. Um, we're going to have a good time, though. I'm, I'm excited about it. Um, let's see here. Romans chapter 6. Notice what it says here in Romans chapter 6, verses 6 through 7. It says, Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, 
that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. And then we read down there a little bit further in Romans chapter 6, verse 12. It says, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Well, again, we talked about this, and we've been addressing this issue in this series called Dealing with Sin. And we, we noted how the fact is, is that uh, the old man, the Bible says, has been crucified. The truth is, is that the power which to, that controls us in this aspect of the sinful nature is no longer in control. Now we have the new man in us, and as a result of that, we choose whether we're going to sin or not. We make a decision as to whether we'll yield to the Spirit or whether we'll yield to the flesh. It is up to us as far as where and how and when we serve the Lord and live for Christ. I mean, it's all on us. It's not on God. It is not God's fault when I sin. It's my fault. It's not even my wife's fault. And it's not my children's fault. It's not my boss's fault. It's my fault. You know, and so we recognize that and we've noted that along the way quite a bit. And, and as we got along here dealing with sin here, we asked the question, we asked a number of questions. But the question that we have been dealing with for quite some time now is this one. What things can I do to overcome sin? Now, if indeed we don't have to sin, if it, the, the truth is, and as we noted, the case is that we can overcome sin in our life, we can be victorious in our Christian walk in life, then how in the world do we do that? How do we overcome sin? That's a great question. And so we noted a couple of things. We said, first of all, you must accept responsibility for your sin. And again, just like we said a moment ago, if anybody's responsible for my sin, it's me. It's no one else. Number two, we said, don't allow sinful thoughts to control your mind. And, and again, it's important that we cast down certain thoughts. It's important that we corral certain thoughts. And it's important that we correct certain thoughts. Because the way we think ultimately affects how we feel. And the way we feel affects how we, we live. And so that's all so vital and so important. And then we said, don't make provision for the flesh. And the passage that we utilized was James chapter 4, verse 7, when it says, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. And we said the bottom line is, before we're going to ever be able to resist the devil, we have to submit ourselves to God. And so we don't want to put ourselves in a position where we're, we're ultimately going to be making provision for the flesh and, and, and that kind of thing. We need to be extremely careful that we resist, uh, extremely careful that we flee. And as we said, probably the best thing we could do, avoid. And then we said, we need to realize that you're dead to sin in Jesus Christ. And that's kind of where we had that little uh, illustration of, uh, how we had uh, fact, and then we had faith following fact, and then we had feeling following faith. So we had, we had the facts here, and the facts, of course, are found in the Word of God, the promises of God, the truths of God, and that you can't change that. Those are facts. The, you know, the Bible says, thy word is truth. And so the word is truth. It is true and it's fact and it's, it's proven, it's tested according to Psalm 18 verse 30. And so we have these facts. We have the word of God. And so we know that to be the case. And one of the facts is obviously that we're dead, in Christ, uh, dead in, to sin in Christ Jesus. We know that to be the case. And then we, we by faith follow that. We keep our eyes on the facts. We keep our eyes on the truth. We don't allow ourselves to be misdirected or to be, to, to, to be distracted from the, the facts of the, the Word of God. 
But the moment we turn and, and stop following fact and we look at feeling, we fall overboard, so to speak. Well, those feelings are so deceiving. So deceiving. And so we noted that, and we talked a little bit about that, and, and we, we took some time to realize that. And, boy, we have to just uh, reckon some things to be so, the Bible says. Reckon them to be so. In Romans six eleven for by faith, but it says, Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. And so we moved along from there, and we said, All right, how can I overcome sin? How can I get victory over the flesh? Well, judge yourself in sin. Judge yourself in sin. Well, we said this process of self-judgment appears to be pretty beneficial. First of all, it's beneficial because we avoid the judgment of God in that sense. Again, we understand that as believers, we're not going to stand before God at the great white throne. We get that. We understand all that. But we still have to give an answer and an account for how we live our lives and so forth. And we don't want God coming down on us even in this light. Because like we said, when we judge ourselves, we avoid chastening. That's a wonderful thing. Now, we got to do our best, as we said, to, to view our thoughts, our deeds, and our actions through the lens of Scripture. And the fact is, as we noted, that, is that when, you know, we, um, when, when we automatically we, we start to, to judge ourselves based on the world and others, and I look at you and you look at me, and pretty soon, you know, if it's, pretty soon there's very little that's off limits to us. If, if, if I'm the standard, or if I, I judge myself based on my own standard, or, or I look at you and your life, I can pretty much justify about anything in mine. And so we have to view our thoughts, our deeds, and actions through the lens of Scripture, or we're going to be off track pretty quick. And then we said, finally, confess your sins to God. And we spent a little time on that. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And here's where we ended up, though, before it was over with. We said, he that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whosoever confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. So who's the winner then? The winner's the one who confesses and forsakes, we said. Because that's the one who will have mercy in the end. That's the one who won't get what they deserve. We know what we really deserve. And so tonight, I want to touch on this topic, this theme, How are we going to overcome sin? How can we get victory in our Christian life or over the flesh? Hide God's word in your heart to battle sin. Hide God's word in your heart to battle sin. With that said, let's have a word of prayer. Father, we come to you. Lord, uh, I know, Father, that just saying that statement, there probably were a number of folks that said, oh, I've heard this a million times. And Lord, you know what we have. I'm not even going to dispute it. But Lord, how often do we need reminded of truth? How often do we need our hearts encouraged by it? Father, how often do we fail you in spite of the fact that we know the truth? Father, help us, Lord, just to, at this point, set aside our pride and ourself and simply say, you know what, Lord, if you want to show me something tonight, I want to hear it and I want to learn it. Father, I know many of these are so faithful and they've heard the cliches, they've heard the little sayings and the short, snappy things and all of that. But Lord, tonight, may your Holy Spirit speak to us and do a work in our lives. May we not waste our time, nor yours tonight. Lord, may every one of us leave here, Father, encouraged from the Word of God and better for having come. Lord, especially me. Thank you for it in Christ's name. Amen. 
So we're going to talk about this, hide God's word in your heart to battle sin. Now, if I said to you, how many of you have ever heard that truth? Would you raise your hand? Let me see it. Yeah, of course you have. We've all heard that a million times. We have, haven't we? Now, I want to ask you a question. How much scripture have you hid in your heart in the last month? Proof positive that what we know doesn't always affect what we do. So now let's go ahead and talk about this a little bit. Psalm chapter 119, verse 9. Notice what the Bible says. And again, it is a, 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 a definitive passage, I guess, on this issue. Notice in the book of Psalm chapter 119, verse 9. Notice what the psalmist says. He says, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. Now, I think it's interesting. He says, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? You know, often in the word of God, the, the Bible seems to imply a lot of things about young men. But I was talking to the staff the other day, and, 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 and I mentioned just something real quick. I said, there's in my life as a, as a, as a, a preacher, as a, uh, um, as a believer, as a man, I realize more and more how much time I wasted thinking about stupid stuff. You know, and, and I mean, let me just be real frank a little bit without getting too graphic, but especially as men, some of the things we think about the opposite sex. What a wasted amount of time. What a bunch of wasted time in my life focused on things that really, in the end, are never going to happen if you're really a godly person. You think the stupidest things. I wonder if, if she thinks I'm look, good looking. I wonder if she likes how, you know, I wonder if, if even, even before you're married, everything's about girls. Everything's about girls. Everything's about girls. What was that a waste of time? I mean, I'm not, trying to be, I'm not trying to be critical of, you know, all that stuff. But the truth is, is that all along, God, God was in control of that thing. But boy, somehow I thought I had to be in control of it all. And so I spent so much time worrying about my future, worrying about what was going to happen, worrying about who I was going to be with, worrying about whether somebody thought I was this or thought I was that or how they perceived me or how they viewed me. Oh, wow, what a waste of time. Young people waste a lot of time worrying about what everybody thinks. But you know what? Sadly enough, many times we do too as older people. We waste our time thinking about things that don't matter. And I like when he says, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? Man, if anybody's going to have a problem staying pure, if anybody's going to have a problem staying on the right track, it's going to be a young man, especially in the culture in which we live. And God knows this, and from the very beginning, he understood that young men really struggle with things, maybe even more so than older men at times, because hopefully, as older men, we've made some progress along the way, and we recognize some truths in the Word of God, and we've applied some principles in our life, and we've overcome some things. He says, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed according to thy word. See, as an older man, we should not have to hear this again. We should be doing it. We shouldn't have to say, well, you know, how shall an older man cleanse his way? Shouldn't have to. We should already be doing it. So how shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. Now that's just a little slant that I have there. Someone says, I don't read that in the scriptures. That's called one of those inspirational applications. And there's a bunch of them in the scriptures, by the way. 
Doesn't make them wrong just because I said it either. Well, you're just, you know, you don't know what you're talking about. I think I have a little experience with this. First of all, I'm 55 years old now, as you all made sure I knew. (laughs) Made sure I knew it. I got a big picture now in my office with a big 55 behind me. Thanks to you. (laughs) We want answers today. We want answers today. But you know what? Here's the thing. We want answers today, but if we're not careful, and sometimes if we'd be perfectly honest, we don't want the Word of God. Now, again, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying, and, and again, I, I know someone says, well, you're preaching to the choir today. We're all amen on board. Yeah, I get it. I do. But I think even in my own life, there have been times when I knew what the answer was from the Word of God, and I just downright didn't want it. But I did want delivered from the consequences of it, or I didn't want to have to be bound by it, but I wasn't willing to do it the way God said to do it to get victory. Because I wasn't willing to pay that price. We want solutions to our problems as long as we can overcome them without God and His Word often. One danger in counseling is that, you know, we're so desperate to try to, to, try to help people overcome a particular problem that we really fail to address the real root problem. And that's a damaged or missing relationship with Jesus Christ. Every problem we have in this life is rooted in a spiritual problem. I know we don't like to talk because that's too simple. And and I get a little fed up reading some of these books about some of these men writing all these books. And the first thing they want to say is they want to go back to some preacher back in the 1970s who was a fundamental Baptist and talk about how all they said was, oh, you need help, just pray about it. Oh, what idiot says that today? I've never met a preacher yet that just comes, somebody comes to their office and says, I got this problem. And they go, just pray about it, brother. I've never met that guy. But they, they write about it all the time in the, in, the Bible, in the books. Because somehow, you know, only the new evangelicals have compassion. And only the new evangelicals really know how to overcome problems in lives because Baptists are too simple-minded and we just have to send people, just go soul winning, brother. Go soul winning and it'll fix every problem in your life. Read the Bible and pray. You'll be fine. That, that's exactly what I read in some of them stupid books. You say, you... Yeah, I'm fed up with it. I've been reading too many books lately because of this stupid media fast. <laughs> so anyway, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm joking when I said stupid, okay? Some of you are like, <gasps> okay, I, I was kind of kidding, okay? It was supposed to be a joke, all right? Kind of. So anyway, <clears throat> I, I did like the media fast. Boy, now I've got to backtrack. So anyway... We got to be careful, right? So, you know, um, the greatest needs in our life, and the greatest need in my life, is uh, not to get rid um, of particular problems or burdens, but to acquaint ourselves with the Creator. That's the real need. That's really what we need, isn't it? I don't know about you, but I'll be honest. I was listening to a radio talk show host just uh, today. No, it was last night. It was about 8 o'clock on my way home. And I, I, was, I was coming home, and, and I, I heard this guy talking. And, and he said something that I thought was pretty stupid. And, and he's got a lot of influence. And he, he'll, he'll talk sometimes like he's a Christian. He'll talk like he knows the Lord and things like that. But then he made the statement about, he made the statement about his diet. And he said this, 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 this thing. He said, I, I, don't, 
I might be on a diet and all, but I'm not giving up all my beer. I'm still going to drink light beer. And I'm still going to drink a few here and there. I'm not giving it all up. And I thought, that's stupid. Why would you even say that on the radio? Now, I don't know. He's trying to endear himself to America because most Americans are drinking and everything else, I guess. But I, I, I thought to myself, you know what? He's got money. He's got influence. He's got beer. He's got, you know, probably goes to, he goes to different shows. He does certain things that as a believer I, I, we don't do. You know what? And I'm going to be honest with you. I think primarily because of the media fast and because of some other things we've been doing over the last couple months, I felt something inside say, I'll take Jesus. I'll take Jesus. That's, that's what I felt in my heart. I'll take Jesus. You can keep your alcohol. You can keep your, your, your social life. You can keep your finances. You can keep your, your, your influence. You can keep whatever, all that stuff that most people would say, that's so valuable, that's so important. I wish I had all that. Even as a believer, do you know why some of these young people will go out into the world one day? Because they think that stuff satisfies. Because they haven't figured out that Jesus is enough. And you know what? Maybe even some of us one day will make the mistake if we're not careful. Satan can deceive all of us. Better be on our best game all the time. But it's not going to be a problem that we get over. We personally need to acquaint ourselves with the Creator. Look in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. I'm going to move kind of quick because I haven't even started the message yet. And we do have to get out of here tonight because we have a conference on Friday morning. Okay, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Man, I just feel like I could get up here and just go buck wild for a long time. I mean, man, I'm telling you. Matthew chapter 11, you you like that term. Don't you love that? My dad used to say that all the time, buck wild. I don't know what it means, but it's awesome. (laughs) Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, there is no one more weary, no one more um, heavy laden than someone weighed down with sin and guilt. There isn't. There's just nobody. Now, you might have been there before in your life. I know I have been in my life where sin and guilt have seemed to weigh me down so much that, man, I mean to tell you, I'll lay in bed at night, I'm just sick. It weighs you down. Now, I want you to see how David, the great psalmist, and the man after God's own heart, mind you, described this condition. Look in Psalm chapter 51, verse 1 now. Because he's, he's in a position where he has committed sin. He's in a position where he's made some grave errors with his walk with God. And notice what he does. I mean, we have this passage. The Lord's telling us, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Boy, this is a picture of somebody that is desperate for God's rest. This is somebody who the burden of sin is weighing them down. And he's saying, you just come to me. You come to me. You want answers. You want solutions. You want victory. You come to me. Notice what he says. 
David, the great psalmist in Psalm 51, to the chief musician, the psalm of David, when Nathan, the prophet, came unto him after he had gone into Bathsheba, have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Blot out my transgressions. And this guy is weighed down with sin. He recognizes transgressions. He sees himself burdened with sin. In Psalm 51.8, look there. Make me to hear joy and gladness, he says. That the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. I mean, he is not only burdened down with sin, but he is miserable and he is broken. Now, you want to know why we struggle so much to come to Christ with our sin? Because we're not nearly as burdened down and broken from them as we ought to be. I don't know about you, but when I've had real needs in my life, and I mean real needs in my life, I've been hesitant to turn to people. I'm not one to turn to people to do things. I don't like to ask for help. I don't want anybody to come to my aid in a sense. But there have been a few times in my life when I've been burdened down. I've been really broken. And I'll tell you one thing. I wanted someone to help me. Now for us as believers, that someone ought to be Jesus Christ. Notice he says in chapter 51 again, verse 12, not only is he weighed down with sin, but he's miserable and broken, yes. But here he says, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. I mean, this psalmist, David, he has lost the joy of unbroken fellowship with God. He has no joy in his life. When we're burdened down with sin, when we are miserable in our condition, we have no joy. You know, we look at people in, in Christian faith, some of the young people especially, and maybe even some of the older ones, and we watch them slip away from church, and we watch them go back into their old ways. We see them put on their, 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 the dress of the world. We see them listen to the music of the world. We see them watching the movies of the world, and we, we listen to them going out and enjoying the entertainment of the world. And we say to ourselves down deep, man, I wish I could do that. It looks like they're having a good time, and I bet they are, while we're still stuck here singing Amazing Grace. Sadly, that's where it ends sometimes. I mean, it's not real, real noticeable, maybe. We don't go around saying it outwardly, but inwardly, we kind of long that we could have the freedom they have, that we could enjoy that freedom in our own life, that we could express ourselves openly and be ourselves the way we are. You mean your atomic self. Not your Christ self. You know, in a sense, you know, believers are heckle and jekyll. You know what I mean? I mean, we've got, we've got this old flesh hanging on us, but we also got the new man. And boy, if you're not careful, that old man can start to take over. And I don't care how much you go to church how much you even read your Bible, just reading your Bible is not going to fix the problems. You can be tempted to kind of lean toward the flesh side. And the world starts to look good when you're leaning that way. You're like Eutychus sitting up in that window. I mean, the preaching's going on, but you're leaning, and out you go. Look how it ended for him. You say, it ended pretty good. Yeah, after he got raised from the dead. 
Because that's what you'll need to do when you fall that way. Spiritually, you'll be dead and you'll have to be resurrected all over again in a sense. Now, I know I'm not talking about your salvation, so don't, don't get too bent out of shape. But just in a, you know, application matter there. Okay, so here we go. It's important to realize then, here's the important thing to realize then. That the key to peace and rest is not the absence of crisis in our life. But the presence of Christ. Mom and dads. Grandma and grandpas. What are we teaching our children when we fall apart in the midst of crisis? What do we teach them? What do we do when we have a loss in the family and we just can't function anymore? I mean, what happens when our finances crumble and that we lose the job and next thing you know, everything that we said God could do, He can't anymore. The crisis just overwhelms us and it, it buries us. And we start to say things, do things, and be a little different than we used to be. And they recognize the pressure and the burden that we're under. And they, we, don't, we, don't, we don't turn where we ought to and get the strength we need. Instead, we turn everywhere else and we still end up in crisis. What, what's that teaching our kids? You know, I mean, honestly, it's as simple as this, isn't it? I'm going to nail this nail in, and I'm hitting it with a hammer. I hit my thumb, and I go, oh! And I start going, blankety, blank, 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 blank. What did I just teach my kids? That when you hit your thumb and you get hurt, you cuss. That's what you just taught them. That that's how you handle it. When you hit yourself and you hurt yourself, or whenever you have pain, you cuss, that's the way you deal with it. That's what you just taught them. You say, I didn't teach them that. I didn't mean to. It doesn't matter what you mean to do. You go ahead and hit yourself and you go, oh, man. Oh, 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 oh. You know what you just taught them? When you get really hurt, you go, oh, that's what you taught them. Now, that's a lot different than going blankety, blank, 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 blankety, blank. Now, I'm just telling you right now, your kids are going to learn by how you respond. Now, my kids know a lot about that right there. I, was, I, I walked into a Wendy's today. And my wife, I opened the door for my wife. And when I did, it shocked me. And I went, ow! And I know a guy inside was watching. He was like, I mean, it, it went all the way to here. All the way. I felt it to there. I, I, I didn't, I didn't blankety blank. Praise the Lord, right? Now, now listen, you know, it's one thing to respond that way. It's another thing to respond the wrong ways. And when crisis hits in our life, no matter what it is, how you respond is how your children will learn to respond. It, it, it's a reality and it's a sad reality. That in many homes, when a child is lost, the marriage goes downhill and ultimately ends. And the other children feel left out and neglected. So what do they do? 
they grow up and learn that's how you handle it. I'm, I'm not trying to, I'm not, I'm not, I, don't, I don't even have a situation in my mind when I say that. It's just from what I have dealt with in the past. I'm telling you it's important how we handle things. And the only way to handle sin in our life is to run to Jesus Christ. Because it is a crisis in our life. It ought to be a crisis in our life. So what do we deal with it then? Now we get to the part you were hoping to get to about 20 minutes ago. One, you need to mine. M-I-N-E. Concerning the value of the word of God, the psalmist makes this statement. Psalm 19, verse 10. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than fine gold, much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey in the honeycomb. Man, I mean, the psalmist really places a premium on the word of God. When you mine, you know, when you, mine you know, uh, anything, you, you remove tons of dirt and rock in order to reach, say, a vein of gold. Tons of dirt, tons of rock, tons of debris. You got to get rid of it. So rich, though, are those veins of gold that men and women are willing to spend great time, energy, and resources in order to get them out, to find them. And you know what? Gold is considered pretty valuable, isn't it? You know what? Therefore, the investment's considered worth it. The Word of God's no different, though, in your life. See, the greatest riches in the Bible aren't found simply by brushing over the surface. You brush over the surface of the Word of God. You don't find the golden nuggets of the Word of God by brushing over it. You, you, you got to dig. you got to uncover its treasures. we got to invest great time, energy, and resources if we're ever going to uncover the greatest treasures earth within the pages of this book. See, the real question is how valuable do you believe its riches to be today? We're, we're, we're struggling with sin in our life, but, but, but what are we doing about it? We know that we ought to hide God's word in our heart. We've heard it a million times. But how valuable is this to you? Is it enough to dig? To mine its nuggets? To find its truths buried in the depths of its pages? Not only that, but we need to meditate. Meditate. Joshua 1.8. You know the passage there in Joshua. He's taking over from Moses and he says, The book of the law, this book of the law at least, is what he's being told. This book of the law, Joshua, shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Here's the question. What are some obstacles that stand in our way when it comes to meditating on the Word of God? You know, when you think about meditating, you think about about mauling over its teachings or its truths, right? You think about them and you maul them over. You just over and over. You're dwelling on it. You're thinking on it. You're just, you know, just mauling it. What, what, what are some of the obstacles that keep us from doing that today? Let, let's be honest. Boy, the last two weeks have helped us to be able to spend a little more time meditating on it, haven't it? Some of those things may do that, may eat up our time, may eat up our opportunity. I'll tell you another thing. Let me just throw it out there. 
How about a screaming kid that won't obey his mom and dad? How about a child that won't sit when he's told to sit or won't stay when he's told to stay? Oh, that'll steal your opportunity to meditate on the Word as a mother, for sure, won't it? Oh, what about that baby that won't take a nap and, well, you just don't feel right about leaving it cry for a while to teach it that it doesn't, it's anti-productive to throw fits and tantrums and to be selfish like that. So instead, you allow that child. You allow that child to dictate. And you never find time to meditate because you're constantly, continually under the gun in chaos and confusion. That's just a couple thoughts. How about memorize? So we need to mind the word. We need to meditate on it. We need to memorize it. And this is where we get to the passage we talked about earlier. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against it. You know, it's not a question of are you in the word, but is the word in you? Again, it's not are you in the word, but is the word in you? That's the key, isn't it? That's the truth with me, too. It's been said sin will keep you from the Bible or the Bible will keep you from sin. Here's another question. The psalmist used memorization to assist him in overcoming sin. I mean, I got to believe he did. He said that he, he meditated on it. We know that in other scriptures, but then also he hid it in his heart. So the psalmist used memorization to assist him in overcoming sin. Here's the question. What keeps us, you and I, from doing the same? What what keeps you from doing it? Well, I'm old now. I can't remember like I used to. How many people are over the age of 50 in here? Yeah, put them down. Guess what? We're all in the same boat. I don't remember like I used to. So is that my excuse? Wait a second, do I remember my phone number? Not really, I have to look it up on my phone, that's true. Do I remember how much money I have in my bank? To some degree, my retirement fund? Do I remember, do I remember what football team is uh, playing this weekend or this week? Do I remember uh, who won the Super Bowl? Do I remember who played in the final? Do I, do I know who's on my whatever, this or that? You know what I'm saying? We know things all the time. We learn things all the time. The question is, what keeps us from memorizing? Okay, you may not be able to remember like you used to, but you still can. You say, well, I used to be able to memorize all these verses. Well, then you could memorize one maybe. What keeps us from doing it? Young people, what keeps you from doing it? That's right, you're so busy. You've got so much responsibility right now. Man, between school and eating, (laughs) who in the world has time, right? You know what I'm saying? I mean, come on, let's be real, guys. I mean, we got enough time. We got plenty of time. We got to close, but we make all these excuses, and yet sin continues to reign in our life. We know the verse. We know what it says, but we really don't believe it. I've memorized a few verses, preacher, and I've tried to meditate on the word. It never helped me. Yeah, God's a liar. Word of God's not true. You proved him wrong. That's being a good Christian. 
It's funny when we start to think we know more about God and His Word than He does. Let's be careful that we don't fall into that trap. We need to learn to hide God's Word in our heart. Why don't we take a verse, an area that we're struggling with, whether it's our tongue or our thought life or whether it's an action that we commit or whether it's an attitude that we possess, and why don't we find a verse that addresses that issue specifically and literally not only put our finger on it, but then take it off the pages and put it in our mind and our heart. And every time, every time, whether it works or not in a sense, every time we are tempted to think that way or to act that way or we do act that way, respond that way, we take that verse and we say it five times in our mind. Boy, because how you think will eventually determine how you feel and how you feel will ultimately determine how you live. Think on these things. Father, we come to you. We thank you again, Lord, for the opportunity that we've had, Lord, just to gather here today and